0: This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome.
1: Thanks for joining us at the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And listeners, we have one of your questions today to answer, and it is, how much is too much alcohol to drink?
0: That's a great question. It's a wonderful question. Um, Whenever we talk about Alcohol. I'm a little lighthearted about it because of how serious some people take some this people subject. are
1: very serious about this. Now, some
0: people should take it seriously oh, because yes. they come from abuse backgrounds mm-hmm. or substance abuse backgrounds, and uh, some people grew up in homes, you know, where um, that really led to a terrible, terrible, terrible experience for them. So, and that would be me, right? Um, and so, but there are a lot of people who just make a big deal out of it because they love rules <laughs> and whatever. So, I I tend to be more on the lighthearted side. In terms of the discussion, but in terms of any biblical command, um, like we need to be clear-headed, sober-minded, and serious about anything the Bible warns us about. So um, there are some basic, basic one-on-ones that everybody can agree on, right? Should agree on, yes. Yeah. Let's say you're a Christian. Let's start there for a moment. Fundamentalist, liberal, or otherwise. Right. The Bible teaches that one should not be, a Christian should not be drunk. Um, we need to be sober-minded
1: and clear-headed. And the Bible is clear about that. Ephesians 5.18, which says, do not get drunk with wine. All right. So it's clearly- well, I can get teach- drunk with beer.
0: Yeah. I can, yeah there you go. <laughs> no, that was or, a joke Or too. the other- Yeah. Other- Strong substance. drink. No. Yeah, so- other strong uh, drinks. So then, so, okay, we're there, okay? There's another thing that I think we can agree on, which is that Jesus wasn't afraid of wine or alcohol or partying or whatever else. That
1: was norm in their
0: culture. very normal, and uh, that's that's just is what it is. Yeah. Um, we also can't deny that even um Paul was like, "Hey, Timothy, you're not feeling good, drink a little bit of wine. So you're wine for your stomach's sake. If yeah. it was utterly purely inherently sinful these things just would not be happening okay right. so but then we deal with we have a couple now we'll just say nuanced groups of people one would be just those with addiction backgrounds and mm-hmm. i would tell mm-hmm. them how much is too much one drip is too much stay away yes. uh, and i think there is of all the people uh, there is a, there there must be a particular sensitivity to that group of people right and in theory, in the Christian community, we should know who that group of people is. And, uh, and the, the individual should know that one is too much for them. Absolutely. So then there's another group of people, though, that um, culturally speaking, their conscience
1: doesn't permit it. Yeah, that would be the the First Corinthians passage about the weaker brother being
0: careful right. about not offending Correct. someone that would have a problem with this. What I find... Striking about that is that the Bible articulates those people as having weaker consciences, yes. which is not a sign of maturity. But what happens in these, like I'll call them micro Christian cultures, is that now to not drink is a sign of maturity, maturity, not of weak conscience. And so it, it's one of those things that I think is interesting because um, one of the Bible, one of the one of the categories the Bible has is there are things. That are good and fine, but because of our upbringing, we, we can't see them as good and fine. And so again, like our consciences have been formed and I do appreciate this. One of the most, I would say one of the high, I just literally taught on this like three days ago to a group of men. And and one of the highest values that God has is that we not violate our conscience. Paul talks Mm -hmm. about the conscience. Regularly throughout his, throughout his letters. Um, because even if the conscience is off a little bit, to get in the habit of searing your conscience or numbing your conscience, it's a really dangerous place. It's a bad place to go. To go. What the mature Christian is going to do is adjust their conscience mm-hmm. through study and teaching and time and repentance, yeah. right? But, but there is a reality that there are those who have weak consciences. And the idea that Paul is trying to communicate regularly is own your weak conscience. Yeah. You, you don't need to be the most mature person in the world. You can say, listen, I grew up in a home where this stuff was, like, really damaging to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I just – I can't go near it. It brings up all these memories and whatnot. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It It doesn't even mean you ever have to drink at all. Right. It just means, like – yeah, that that's a that's a real story in your life. That's real. That's mm-hmm. hard whatever and I get that. And I honor that. And I want to honor the brother with a weaker conscience sure. I do. Like that's that's a biblical mandate on one who has a stronger conscience. Yeah, the more
1: mature Christian, it is a mandate for them.
0: Right. And and by the way, I might be more mature than person A with a weaker conscience. They might be more mature in a thousand other areas. This mm-hmm. isn't right. like Mm-hmm. Because I have a stronger conscience here does not mean that I'm a better, more mature person in general. You know? So even the way we frame and posture ourselves in this stuff gets really competitive. And I just I, I'm not a fan of the competition side of that. So, um so you have this group of people that i that I think need to be honored and protected and loved well. Um, it is interesting, though, that the hyper fundamentalist rule is nobody should ever drink ever just in case there's somebody with a weaker conscience. No, the answer to a weaker conscience is not abstinence. The the answer is honor and depends on who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know former, um, alcoholics, I mean, I guess they're present alcoholics, but they don't drink and they don't care if people drink in front of them. They just have self-control and they want everyone else to know, don't let me. And it's fine, you know? Yep. And, uh, then there are some who can't even be around it. And I, that person should be honored as well. And sure. And the community should have no commitment to anything mm. that mm-hmm. trumps that level of good communication and honor. So there's like, there's that like side of things, but then there's the fundy <laughs> whom I love, but uh-huh. I am, gosh, as, a, as an ex, like growing up Catholic, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, there is this thing inside of me that is just anything that puts pharisaical, extra biblical or unbiblical or traditional rules Rules. rules as a standard for godliness. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Uh, like I, you know, I just don't like, it feels cultish to me. It feels Mm -hmm. controlling. You're, you're imposing your weak conscience on everybody and then mandating control and then redefining godliness and maturity. Like, and it's not just alcohol, like fundamentalists have a habit of doing this with multiple issues that are objectively so dumb. So now to me, <laughs> you know, to them, it's like, this is their that, world. That's their
1: world. That's what they know. You know, And, and yeah, that's what makes them comfortable correct. in their Christianity. Right.
0: And um, so when it comes to like how much is too much to drink, it depends on who you are, what your background is, what your conscience is, all this kind of stuff. Now, and, somebody, I, and I would
1: even go uh, one step further and say, it also depends on your, in your environment, your situation. Well, it might be okay to have... For for the Christian to drink in one setting, it might not be okay in another setting. Again,
0: yeah.
1: uh, I, I'm assuming at a village church, we're not going to have alcohol at um you know at a birthday party that's inside the building. No, probably not. But yep. if it's
0: outside the building, if it's it outside might, the I building, know. it'll be another, it'll be you another know. story. No, yeah, and there's just a church policy. Yeah. Just to just to not even walk down the path because um non-Christians come into our church for weddings and whatnot, and right. they're not going to exercise self-control in the way that we would expect a Christian to. Correct. Um, and that's that's just a matter of protecting, I think, our church and our building. And and gosh, I mean, how many—if mm-hmm. if we opened up our building to alcohol and, yeah. and you have one wedding, you know, I mean, we've seen what happens at a wedding. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I do think, though, that there is this general, like, thing that we need to be so on guard about, which is putting up any extra biblical rules— mandating them there's there's a an older idea that i think that older people still hold on to sometimes because it was true mm-hmm. um what will they think of you if, if i what would a non-christian think of you if they saw you drink right literally no non-christians care yeah yeah like it, it's non issue it a, is a complete for a non- non-issue yeah for you a know? non-christian um and um i think i think in the 50s or maybe the 60s that was an issue mm-hmm. And what even strikes me is that the more Christians made the rules, of course, non-Christians would expect they wouldn't do it because you said you wouldn't. Right. It's like the preacher who says, don't drink. Well, then everyone's expecting them not to drink. But if that preacher goes and drinks, then he's a hypocrite. Not yes. because he drank, but because, but because, he, because said he said it. not to, and then he did it. Right. So yeah. I think the Christian community built this this um, this persona, if you will, publicly that Christians don't drink. And so then the non-Christian community thought, well, if Christians don't drink, then well, why is that one drink? I think mm-hmm. all that's gone. That's yeah. all dissipated. It's it's by and large now. There might be, I don't know, some sub communities in the deep south that that still are working on those. And you need to be really sensitive to to yeah. your culture. Um, but how much is too much to drink? Let's say you're in a normal place, um, and like again, the one or two percent of Christians that were alcoholics, you know, and can't mm-hmm. drink. Mm-hmm. Maybe the maybe the. Uh, Christians who are still really working through their past and what they grew up with they're still going to be the small percentage you know Um, how much is too much and I would just say anything that compromises your ability to be probably sober minded Mm -hmm. is where you cross a line And, and
1: and I think it depends on a person's chemical makeup for for some people one one beer one one strong drink puts them really close to the edge of drunk yep for someone else you know three or four beers is just getting them there.
0: So it just depends. Yeah, and, that, and that's where I honestly don't have a lot of judgment for people. Um, I, I do think it's interesting that God, throughout the throughout the scriptures, Jesus himself has this. This is going to be hard for some people, so I, I'm not trying to, like, push a button here, but they have this value mm-hmm. for drinking and enjoying yourself with the people of God. Yeah, Like, it's not an accident even that, like, the Jewish, like, like festivals and feasts were centered around even alcohol. Even what we consider in communion, we have like these, the residue of this in the Catholic church especially, where they would actually serve actual wine. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in the middle of a Seder feast, you'd have four glasses of wine, you know, or more. And and so this this idea um, of where the line is, I think is very interesting because – uh, Jewish culture, which Jesus percolated in and, and affirmed and brought wine to these weddings, they did have just a different value for the fact that like wine lightens you up and makes you feel better. And uh, that doesn't mean you're not sober minded. And um, that the Lord opened up this avenue uh, from the very beginning, the people of God. right, And like all neutral things, I wouldn't call it a good thing. I wouldn't call it a bad thing. I would no, call it's it a, neutral. It can go either way. Call it a neutral thing that God made. It can be used for good and joy and community and fun and fellowship or it can be used for abuse and drunkenness and yeah. immorality and everything else. And uh, it's like all neutral things that the lord has made. It's like the coca leaf, you know what I mean? <laughs> it can be used for great damage and I don't really know how you'd use the coca leaf for good, but <laughs> maybe. But it's an, it's not Some, objectively something. an immoral thing, you know? It becomes immoral by the way we process it and use it. Yeah. Um so how much is too much? The moment I give you a rule, the, the moment I become a legalist. Yeah, that's not where we want to go. And the rule is protect the weaker brother, protect the struggling brother and sister. Um, the rule is always be sober minded. Know, Mm -hmm. know where you're at. Don't make up rules that aren't there and, um, try to be a little less judgmental and a lot more protective. Protective is different than judgmental. Mm -hmm. Judgmental is condemning. Protective is who's around me. What's going on? How can I serve you? Right. All that good stuff. Um, I don't know. So as I say that, You and I come from different heritages, right? There you go. Um, My heritage had no issues with this. Uh Like when I came to Chicago, I thought, like particularly the Moody Bible Institute, dispensational, like uh, evangelical subculture. Yeah, blown away by the (laughs) rules. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Where am I?" Yeah. So when I was at Village Church in like two thousand one and two and three, when I first started attending, I didn't know what to do because, (laughs) like. Our dinner table conversations just—we just talked about stuff, you yeah. know—and and, and uh, you you couldn't even talk about it then. You know, yeah. I don't even know why it was. And so for me, it was such culture shock. And yeah. growing up, I had seen alcohol all over the place, and yet I can't remember ever seeing one person drunk. Really? Like I can't even in high school, like around like uh, when my when my friends would go drink, I, I'd see them drunk. Yeah. But like adults, Christians, like I, I can't think of a. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe one of my brothers did sometime growing up. I don't know, but um, I can't. But it sounded think of like it.
1: It, that was the rare occasion for me. Yeah, it was rare. The rare occasion was you, you would see someone drink and it not go to the excess of being drunk.
0: Interesting. I yeah. mean, it was
1: rare. It was rare that it wouldn't go there. Yep. Wow. So there was regular alcohol abuse in around our family.
0: Yeah. So what was what? What did drunkenness manifest? Was it anger, yelling, craziness, drunk driving? All I mean, the above. All the above. You know, yeah. you know, they
1: they say that there's you know the angry drunk, there's the happy drunk, there's the silly drunk. Mm. You know, I think I saw them all as a yeah. as a, as a young teenager. Interesting. And then all through high school, and then you know, it was just that was what we normally experienced in our family.
0: Yep. Wow. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how? two good-looking bald men like you and I <laughs> can grow up in such different places. Did For you, sure. Did you hear my sermon on Sunday where I mentioned Kentucky? Yeah. How'd yeah. you do on that one? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love how we can have fun. I love it. I, was, <laughs> I, I compared Canaan to Kentucky. Yep. And a tribal, like, uh, undeveloped <laughs> Dark <laughs> gods and goddesses. Yeah. And, uh, there was one dude, um, like four rows in, and he's, he grew up in like Kentucky, Tennessee <laughs> area. Definitely in the hillbilly area, and I just saw him squirm and get a little uncomfortable. And did he talk to you afterwards? Uh, no, he's a good friend, so okay. I just I have no hesitations to just harass <laughs> him a little bit, you know. And uh, but again, things that pastors wouldn't do 30 years ago, even the things that we changed, we are able to do in the pulpit. Yeah. And uh, older people, when they hear me preach, sometimes they're like, "What? How? How do you get away with that?" Yeah. And times have changed, and the way people process mm-hmm. things. And I think I'm reverent, but yeah. we'll see. All right. God will determine that when I get that.
1: <laughs> well, listeners, please come back next time when we answer another one of your questions, which will be what does the Bible say about interracial marriage?